You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. I want to start off this morning with a story. Everybody say a story. Lamar called me yesterday and asked, was I going to share a story this morning? I said I was. So uh, I'm going to have to follow through on that promise. So I heard about this mother, and one Sunday morning she went to her son's bedroom and she said, Son, wake up, it's time to go to church. He kind of groaned and rolled over a little bit in the bed and he said, No, Mom, I'm not going to go to church today. I don't, I don't really feel like it. She said, What do you mean you're not going? Why not? He said, Mom, I, I'm going to give you two good reasons. Number one, I don't like those people. And number two, they don't like me. She said, Son, that's no excuse. I'll give you two better reasons to get up and go to church. Number one, you're 59 years old. And number two, you're the pastor. So over the last few weeks, we've talked about being happy. What it means to be happy in spite of terrible and awful things that that happen in our lives. I'm going to move that because I can't see all your beautiful shining faces this morning. We've talked about being happy, about all the things that that entails. We've been over three weeks of happiness so far. And today we get to to discuss a little bit more. Uh, Last week, we also talked about four ways to reduce conflict in our lives, which leads to more happiness, right? Conflict in relationships can be hindered uh, or, or can, can help hinder happiness. And so that's one of those things that, that we want to talk about. But no matter what goes on in our life, there's a way that we can be happy. And we're studying in the book of Philippians. And today, if you want to turn there, we're studying the book of Philippians chapter 2. And we'll be studying verse 12 to 18. But Paul is the author of Philippians, as we've talked about, and has authored one of the most happy books in the Bible. Now, Paul is the one who started the church in Philippi. He's the one who spent a lot of time ministering to this church and, and training them and giving them some wisdom and insight. And he's writing this book in prison, in chains, in bondage, in slavery, basically. And he's saying there's still a possibility that no matter what's going on in your heart and in your life, you can be happy. And that's a tough appeal for us to swallow here in America because we don't have any persecution really for our faith. And so in the midst of going to prison and being chained into a guard all the time, Paul writes this inspiring, amazing letter that gives us so much encouragement for the church today and for our life. And today we get to discuss this morning how to keep your heart happy. How to keep our heart happy in, in spite of all the things that happen in our lives, in our country, in our community, in our city, in our state, in our family, we can still find happiness. Now, sometimes the proverbial spring of a leak happens, right? And our heart can, can be drained of happiness, right? We can be drained of our happiness. We give so much, we get drained of it sometimes. Maybe, maybe a circumstance comes along. But if we wait, this is in your notes, if we wait on perfect circumstances to be happy, we're going to go through most of our lives being unhappy. Happiness must be created as we process the highs and the lows of life. How many recognize that there's highs and lows in life? Would, could I get an amen? There's some high times, there's some really happy times, and there's some not-so-great times. And even in, in spite of those not-so-good times, Paul says there's a way to keep our heart happy. There's a quote in your notes also by Martha Washington that says this, I am determined to be happy and cheerful in whatever situation I may find myself. For I have learned that the greater part of our misery 
or unhappiness is determined not by circumstances, but by our disposition. And that's a fancy word for saying outlook. It's how we approach the situation. It's how we enter into that situation. And that can be a, a really hard thing to get over. But I'm determined to be happy and cheerful no matter what situation. And in Philippians 2, 12 through 18, we get to pick up that story of Paul, and he gives us some ways that we can keep our heart happy. So in verse 12, we'll read. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That basically means... Uh, with fear and trembling, to work it out with respect, with uh, reverence. For it is God who works, verse 13, in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. Verse 14, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Now again, Paul is in prison and he's saying, for the cause of Christ, if I am killed, if I'm spilled out, I still can remain glad and I still can remain happy because of you and because of your sacrifice and because of your faith. So the verse 12 is, is basically our key verse this morning. And, and it kind of means this. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. Now again, if we take the word work out, what does that mean to us? We hear that word today, work out. Deadlifts? Chest press? Bench press? No, that's not what you think? Working out the biceps, working out your muscles. In the same way, work out your salvation. He's not saying to work it out like it's not existent. He's saying work it out as in strengthen it, as in make it more uh, beneficial. Now, you can't add any more muscle in your body, right? You can strengthen what you have. You can grow what you have. You can build it up. But God's saying here, don't add to it. Make it stronger. Make it great. Work out your salvation, for it is God who works in you in order to fulfill His good purpose. Now today we aren't going to talk about a physically healthy body, even though that's important. But today we're going to be talking about your heart health. And not in the cardiovascular sense of the word, not in the artery sense of the word, but in the spiritual heart, in our heart condition. And simple and basic principles that Paul writes in the Philippians chapter 2 today to help us with that. Now, as you know, simple doesn't mean easy, right? Some of the hardest songs I've played ever are simple songs. It's harder to get them right because there's nowhere to go. It's like simple, very easy, basic. But when you take it and put it together, it's very hard to really get right. 
And same can be said for, for healthy hearts and healthy bodies, right? It's easy to say, I'm going to get up at 6 a.m. and go walk for two miles every day, five days a week. It's another, that's simple, right? It's a completely another thing to put that into practice, right? Especially when somebody brings sausage biscuits on Sunday morning to church, right? Or donuts. You know, it's hard to do, but it's simple to say. So there's four exercises today for a happy heart. The first thing is this. Always remember that God is with you. He is in you, and He is for you. Let's say that together. God is with you, He's in you, and He's for you. Isn't that awesome? Philippians 2.13, the verse we just read, said, It's God who works in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Now the word working in the Greek actually literally means energy. So that's God putting His energy forward, His purpose forward through energy in your life and in your heart. Isn't that awesome? God is working in you and giving you energy. There's a song that I've been listening to recently, and one of the words is saying, God is fighting our battles. Fighting our battles. And that word just jumped out at me when it says, God is with us, He's in us, He's for us. He is fighting our battles, and it's it's just a great song. We'll probably do that soon. But God is in us. John 14, 18 says this, I will not leave you as orphans. I will be with you. On that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. God is in us, in our hearts, in our lives. The Bible says, I have hidden your word in my heart, so I might not sin against you, right? And that's what we're talking about. God is in us. God's word is in us. God's spirit is in us. And then it also tells us that God is with us. In Colossians it said that we are hidden with Christ. Now that's, that's quite a promise there. It's not only that I am in you, but He's with us. He's with us through whatever circumstance and situation we face. Some of the toughest situations and circumstances in life can be uh, gone through with strength, with, with a certain degree of happiness, even though we might be mourning, because we know that God is with us. And he will not leave us. Oftentimes when I'm at funerals, and, and even for my own family, you know, I'm not that, that upset. I mean, I'll just be honest. I'm not that upset because I get to see these people and their lives and what they impact in me. I get to see their legacy being lived out all those years, and then they get to be with their Lord and Creator. And for people who don't have that hope, it makes the process, in, in my opinion, harder. It makes the process harder to grieve But we have God with us to help us through those tough situations and those tough times. And then in Romans chapter 8, I love this verse, verse 31. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also graciously give us all things? And the, the, the magnificent phrase there is God is not only in us, He's with us, but He is for us. What can separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing. Nothing can separate us. And He goes on to say a lot more things about you. So I'm not just with you. I'm not just in you, but I'm for you. I'm fighting on your side. I'm fighting your battles. Whenever you're going through a situation that's tough, I'm with you. I'm for you. I'm in you. So you have me to rely on. You have me for comfort. You have me for peace. Some people think God's angry with them. 
You know, they go through life thinking that, but that's not what the Word of God says. The Word of God said He's in you and He's for you. He's fighting for you. He's interceding for you. Jesus is interceding for you. He is fighting for you. He is with you. And I encourage you to, to start the day with prayer to be like this. God, I thank you that you are going to be with me today. You're going to be in me today. And you're going to be for me today. If you get up and renew your mind, as Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says, through that prayer, you will begin to recognize a true happiness that doesn't come from circumstances. It doesn't come from happenings. It comes from a true happiness inside of you. It comes from that. So not only do we remember that God is with us, He's in us, and He's for us, but we have to point number two in your notes is be grateful and never grumble. Uh Uh-oh. Everybody got quiet. We have to be grateful and never grumble. That's one of those really hard pills to swallow. That's one of those ones where you have to take a look in. If you're going to preach this message, you really have to take a look at your own heart, right? So if we're going to talk about it, let's be real about it. It's easier to grumble and complain than it is to be positive. Would you agree? It takes a conscious effort to say, hey, this is great. This is good when it's really not that good. You know, verse 14, do everything without grumbling or arguing. Why? So that you may become blameless and pure. So if you read into that, the Bible says if you're grumbling and complaining, you're not blameless and pure, right? So we've got to be careful because grumbling and complaining feeds unhappiness. On the contrary, gratitude and thanksgiving generates happiness. All around Thanksgiving growing up, my dad used to, I, I didn't really all the, all the time like participating in this. All the time would cook, I don't know, 15, 18 pies, you know, pumpkin pies. I like pie. Um, anyway, you, you know, I see. <laughs> I'm trying to lose some of it. But anyway, my dad would cook all these pies and give them away for Thanksgiving. And I liked doing about four of them. That was comfortable for me. But 15, it kind of eh, got a little old, right? But giving to people, I remember this one time, and we went and took this Tupperware worth of food and canned goods and turkey and pies and and everything to this, if I can describe it for you, just as good as it looks like a tobacco barn. But people were living there with children. There was four, four children in the house and a single mom that was living by herself, and she was baking for the family, and they had nothing. There was holes in the floor, there was holes in the walls, there was bugs, I mean the whole thing. But the gratitude that came in my heart from serving all those, that food and taking that food there, the joy that they, she expressed on her face, her kids jumping around because they didn't know what was going to happen for Thanksgiving, the joy that came out of that showed me some things about being grateful and not grumbling. Because even though I might have a water leak, Praise God, I got water. Even though I might have a heat problem, praise God, I got a roof over my head. Even though I have a car leak, an oil leak, whatever it be on my car, praise God, I got a car. It changes your perspective when you don't complain and you don't grumble. And so we we go through life with a uh, if-then mentality. If I have this car, then I'll be happy. If I have this house, then I'll be happy. If I have this job, if I have different children... If my children are out of my house, I'll be happy, right? But you're happy as you choose to be. It's a choice. I'll give you another brief story real quick. We were in, the, in Portugal, in the slums of Portugal. And again, dirt floors, 
You know, no electricity, no running water, but people there would come for miles to come to church where we played worship, and I got the privilege to lead in, in worship and all those kind of crazy things in Portugal. And, and people would come to hear God's Word because they were happy about it. Not because they were happy about their life circumstances, but because they were happy in Christ. You can find happiness wherever you're at if you look hard enough. And that's really hard to do in America because we have so much, right? We have so many possibilities here. We have so many blessings here that we don't even think about. Stop fretting and fighting over the small stuff, right? One of the most difficult verses in the Bible to read is this, Matthew 12, uh, 36. I tell you the truth, you will give an account on judgment day of every careless word you have spoken. Does that include grumbling and complaining? Man, that makes me want to go home and get in the closet, right? Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that people would have nothing bad to say against you. Now in that, there are four kinds of complainers and grumblers. This is a bonus again. You like bonuses, right? This is not in your notes. This is a bonus. There's four types of complainers and grumblers in our life that we can identify. The first is this, whiners. There's whiners. People that will rise and whine in the morning, not rise and shine. So instead of, good morning, Lord, they say, good Lord, it's morning. Those kinds of people. You know anybody like that? So the second type is martyrs. You don't want to look at them. Nobody appreciates me. Nobody loves me. I'm going to go eat worms. How do you react when you don't get your way? Do you moan? Do you argue? Do you complain? The martyrs love to show attention on that. Cynics are the third kind, and they say, what's the use? Why try? What's the use of even trying to be happy? Why, why do I even need to try? And the, the last one are perfectionists. Nothing is ever good for these type of complainers. It don't matter how many times you fix them, that bowl of soup is going to be wrong. Right? It don't, be, it don't matter how many times you paint that wall, Craig Kastorf. It's going to be wrong. Yeah. Perfectionist. Nothing is ever good. It's unpleasable. Some of you might have uh, had fathers that way or, or mothers. Is that the best you can do? Is that the best you got? We are complainers as humans. It's our natural ability to complain, right? But the, the, the direction of the Holy Spirit tells us that we bring all those things under and we hold account, hold accountable of our words. How many times have I complained about the small stuff? Even in church. Can you complain about things in church? Absolutely. I've grown up hearing it all my life. Okay? People that are sitting next to you, did you hear her? She was flat. Did you hear her? She was sharp. Did you hear the band? They were too loud. Complainers, right? I have heard all the time. The most complaining I've ever had, heard in, is in a church. That and Walmart. But anyway, um, <laughs> they need more cashiers. Be thankful in everything. The Bible says to give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So be grateful and never grumble. And point grumble, number three, is hold firmly to the Word of God, the Word of life. Point number three is hold firmly to the Word of life. Would you agree that God's Word is life? The Bible says that He has come to give us life and life to the, the full, the abundant life. 
Not just a regular life, but a full life. And it says here in Philippians 2.16, the exact words of that point comes right from Scripture. Hold firmly to the word of life. That's Paul's instructions for this church. Hold firmly to the word of God. If you do that, your heart's going to be happier. If you hold firmly to the word of God, you're going to handle situations better. You're going to hold your tongue more. You're going to minister to people more. You're going to give more grace and more mercy. You're going to give more leniency to people who have offended you. Why? Because you see that cross of Jesus and you say, it was my sin that held him there. And then you look at the perspective of the person who offended you and things don't become so massive. When God's word is at the very center of our lives, we begin to look differently. We begin to see circumstances differently. We will reach people more with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because we have a firm grip on the Bible. We have a firm grip on God's word and his life-giving word, not just a loose grip. You ever handshake somebody with a loose grip? It's one of the worst feelings in the world. Somebody that just, their hands just a little. I do it just to be funny sometimes. Walk up to people and just not grab, not grip. That's the, one of the worst feelings. A strong grip takes some maintenance. If you've ever uh, shook hands with someone who's in construction or into lifting a lot, uh, for me, there was this guy at my old church who played for the uh, Tennessee uh, Vols, and he actually went on to play for the Indianapolis Colts. His handshake swallowed both of my hands. I mean, it was massive. He set the all-time bench record and the squat record at UTK. Crazy big guy. And he went to our church. Super cool, general guy, but you would not think I would be scared to be around that guy anywhere but church. <laughs> that was a strong grip. And how did he have that strong grip? Because he worked it. You can't just automatically become a Christian or you can't automatically become strong in one day, in one exercise, in one workout. If you do, what happens to your muscles if you work really hard one day and that's the hardest you've ever worked out? You're not going to be able to move for three days. You work little by little. You strengthen those muscles. You lift a little heavy. You take a couple days off. You lift a little heavy. You do some cardio on your off days. So you're always working You're always strengthening. You're always training. But you take a little bit of time. It takes a little bit of time to have a good grip. Psalm 119 says this, Happy are those who live pure lives, who follow the Lord's teaching. Happy are those who keep His rules, who try to obey Him with their whole heart. And then in Psalm 1, 1 through 3, this is one of my favorite verses, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers, because his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Here's the important part. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields it fruits in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. You got to remember in the time that this which this was written, there was a land called the Fertile Crescent between the two rivers Euphrates and the Tigris, right? There's two rivers there and it runs, and all most all of the profitable fruit in the area was grown in this area that's next to the rivers. Why is that so important? Because when you're near the stream, when you're near the water source, when you're near the fertilizer source, it's going to be greener. It's going to be Uh, better in my yard sometimes i can tell that maybe a water drop has been dripping in the same place a little while because there's a patch of greener grass it gets more nutrients right if the water and the plants are near that water stream that water source it prospers 
You can clean toilets and be playing about streams of living water to make a bigger impact in your life. You can do anything in your life, your job, your career, your calling, whatever it is, if you're planted and rooted in God's Word and planted by those streams of living water, if you have a good grip on the Word of life. Ground your life in His Word because it never changes. His Word stands forever. The Bible even says that the, the, uh, the grass withers and the flowers fade away, but the Word of God will stand forever. So no matter what happens in our world, our universe, our culture, it does not matter. The Word of God stays constant. The Word of God remains, and it will stand forever. That's a promise we can count on. So ground your life in His Word. And the last point today, point number four, is this. We need to use our lives to serve God by serving others. Use your life to serve God by serving others. And Mark chapter 8, verse 35 says it this way. If you insist on saving your life, you will lose it. Only those who throw away their lives for my sake and for the sake of the good news will ever know what it means to really live. Now that doesn't mean we need to throw our lives away and forget everything about physical fitness and health and and spiritual health. That's not what that means. What that means is if anything in our life comes before Christ Jesus, if anything in our life takes His place, if serving others is on a back burner, we will not be happy. We will not be effective. You will not know what it means to really live. Our culture tells us we have to get happier. We have to get happier through owning more stuff, right? We talked about that at the beginning of the year. Collecting more things is a sign of happiness, right? Wrong. Simplicity is what the Bible teaches. Simple living. Living that serves others, that gives to others. Why do you think God gave you so much? Is it for us to keep or is it for us to share or to give back? Uh, uh, Someone I know uh, says God owns it all anyway, so let's give back to Him, right? It's His anyway, so don't hold it. We've got a loose grip on what He's given us. Philippians 2.17 says this, Even if I am poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. Paul says, Even if I'm tired and wasted and, and given out and burned and murdered, whatever, fill in the blank. Even if all of that happens, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. Why? Because they're serving the Lord. This church is serving the Lord. God wired our universe to make us most happy when we're giving our lives away to others. Again, as I mentioned, some of the happiest times in my life has been when I've been serving others less fortunate who did not have anything. It's happy. And we'll close today with this. He even modeled it for us in giving His own Son, Jesus Christ, for our sins. So no matter what we have, no matter what we don't have, no matter what situations we face, our heart can remain happy because of these different uh, ways to strengthen our heart. If God was so gracious in giving Jesus, why wouldn't He want us to model the same to the world? He gave a gift that was full of grace and of mercy and that people did not deserve. People that even spat in His face people that were thieves hanging on a cross beside him ladies who had been caught in adultery throughout the whole Bible we see God's plan of redemption 
and God's plan of salvation as he gave his only son for us so that we could give that, that gift to others. And why in the world would God give us a gift if we wanted to hold it inside and never give that gift to anybody else? So I challenge you this week. Over 90% of people that call themselves Christians will never share their faith with anyone. Share the gift that God has given you and you will receive happiness. I had the privilege this week of sitting down with someone and leading them to the Lord, to praying with them. They said, I've been to church most of my life, but I've never made the decision to accept Christ. And let me tell you, that's one of the happiest things that you can ever experience. If you want true fulfillment and joy, do what God's called you to do in Matthew 18, or 28, 18 through 20, is go into all the world and tell them about Jesus. Paraphrased, of course. Go into all the world, tell them about the good news of Jesus. And I would ask you the question today, how is God calling you to serve? Because we are happiest when we serve others, wouldn't you agree? We're happiest when we're given of our time, even though it might cost us a little something, it might cost us some convenience. We're, we're happiest when we're giving away our money, even though it might cost us something and be a little inconvenient. And we're happiest when we serve others through giving them the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And that doesn't cost us anything, it costs our Savior. But that's a free gift. How can you get involved in our church in serving? You know, some of you come in and help set up sound. People wouldn't be able to hear the message without this. It might seem insignificant, a small task, but without these microphones, the message wouldn't go forth through a sound system. might not be a big deal. Without some of this coffee and, and hospitality and people at the front door greeting people, some people would not feel welcome and warm when they come in this place. Without prayer teams praying for people at the altar or praying for people throughout the week, people would not get healed. People would not get delivered and set free. So whatever gift that God has given you that you'd like to serve in, how can you use that in our church? How can you use that in our, fa- our families? How can you use that in our com- community? Some people have shared with me they do a mentorship program through the school, and I had never heard of that before moving here, and that is really cool. Mentoring young boys that come up that may not have a good influence. How can you get involved through tutoring or, or any other program throughout our community? God is calling us to serve. Because any way you can connect with people and have something in common gives us a door and gives us a way into sharing the good news of Christ. So if you like baseball, find a team. If you like chess, go home and learn something else. (laughs) Just kidding. But whatever it is in your life that you like to do, ask God to reveal something to you. You can reveal uh, God's grace and God's mercy to people out on the golf course, out on the shooting range, wherever it may be that God has placed you at that time. Share your faith. Share the good news of Christ and serve others. That's what He's called us to do. Would you stand with me today? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this word today in Philippians chapter 2. Lord, that you've called us to have a heart of happiness. No matter, Lord, what our circumstances are, no matter what happens in our life, we can be happy because of your grace and your mercy to us. 
So God, today, help us to find a way that we can serve other people and give them your grace and your mercy just like you've given us. God, just like we said, we're undeserving of your grace. We're undeserving of your mercy. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to do anything to achieve it. Because, God, you give it to us freely anyway. And so today, Father, if there's someone in the room who don't don't have a relationship uh, with Jesus today, we ask that you would just spark their heart, Lord, and help them discover their need for a Savior. A Savior that's loving and accepting and kind. All the things we should be to the world. So Lord, today help us to find our area of service to others. Because it increases our joy and increases our happiness as we serve you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.